Good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? Everybody awake? Got their coffee? Ready to go? Well, we um, are in a sermon series called Signs of the Times, and we are looking at Jesus' um, teaching on the end times. So if you have God's Word with you today, go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 13. We'll be in Mark chapter 13. You can open up in your paper, old school, analog Bible, or you can open up in your digital Bibles, uh, whichever you prefer. I enjoy both. So... Last week I tried this. I'm going to try it again. I think every time I speak on the end times and Jesus coming back, I, I'm going to try this. Jesus could come back right now. Ugh. I'm telling you, man, one of these days, one of these days I'm going to say that and we're all just going to be caught up into the sky. It's going to be awesome. So I love, I, I love talking and looking at the end times because one of the most amazing, life-changing things to realize is that we know who wins. The, the end of the story is already revealed. I, I likened it to kind of recording the big game at home and not wanting to know the end um, as you're at work. And as you're at work, all your buddies are watching the game on their phone and screaming and shouting who won the game. And you're like, wait a second, I don't want to know. And then you go home to watch the game and you're not on the edge of your seat like you think you would be because you already know who wins the game. But there's these details in between everything that we get caught up into and, and knowing what's going to happen and all the things that are going to arise. And we want to know those things. And when we, we do need to know some of those things. But most of it is, is not fully revealed to us. It's a mystery to us. And, and that's intriguing as well. So we love to dive into these studies. And I love um, how Jesus says this. Uh, here in Mark. And like we talked, if you missed last week, I encourage you to jump on and check out last week's sermon. It's kind of the first half of this sermon. So it's really one sermon given over two weeks. But um, we're going to be in Mark chapter 13, starting in verse 24. And we'll see what Jesus has to say about the tribulation and times and other things. So let's pray before we read God's word. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is the truth. Father, it is life to us as we get to know you more. You are revealed to us in Scripture. We have just been so thankful to look at the life of Jesus Christ as Mark shares the good news of Jesus. Father, I pray that you would give me the words to share this morning as we humble ourselves before you. We submit to the authority of your word, Father. We want to grow in deeper relationship with you. God, we confess our need for you. We confess our desperation for more of you. You are God and we are not. Come and have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we jump into this, you know, one of the things I like to uh, say when it comes to eschatology or the study of the end times, pastors love talking about this in private so we can, you know, say all kinds of crazy things, right? But um, one of the things I say when people ask me, where do you stand on the tribulation? Where do you stand on the millennium? Where do you stand on these different things? My immediate response is always, what day of the week is it? Okay, that goes over well, a lot better with pastors. As we study the end times, there's so many different viewpoints and so many uh, different ways to look at apocalyptic literature, which is so symbolic at times and so literal at times and and so many pictures and different things that it can be kind of confusing. And I'm I'm just going to be honest with you as we talk about eschatology. As I went through seminary, I think my view on eschatology changed three or four times. 
over the five or six years of study. It's been wild to see that. We, we are a dispensational church, pre-trib church. We believe that we're going to be called into heaven before the tribulation. You can all thank God for that, right? And, uh, but there's other viewpoints on those things, and, and those are fun to talk about. But this is one of those issues, too, that we would say are, this is not a spine issue. You know, if you're mid-trib or post-trib or, I mean, any other of these different views, as long as you believe Jesus is coming again to take us home, we're on the same page, right? But these kinds of conversations we would call rib conversations. This isn't where we stick a flag in the hill, we're going to die on this hill defending pre-tribulation, rapture type thing. No, that's not who we are. Uh, We like to talk about these things. We have beliefs that we believe Scripture is communicating here, but these are not, not salvific beliefs. These are rib issues. These are different from those issues. So we enjoy, we greatly enjoy, me and Andrew this past week, we greatly enjoy deep conversation around these things. And I hope you have enjoyed deep conversations around these things in your community groups as well. So as we're going into this, let's keep that in mind and approach God's word humbly. Amen? All right, let's jump into this. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven. And the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of... Well, that's unexpected. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. This is one of my favorite points. Jesus is coming to take us home. We live in a a broken and hurting world where we have our neighbors and our friends and we see cancer and we see wars and we see earthquakes and death upon tens of thousands and tens of thousands. A world that is desperate for a savior, that is desperate for a destiny and hope. And we have the hope that everyone is looking for and desperate for. We have the light of the world, Jesus Christ, His Holy Spirit living in us, and He is coming back again to take us home. We can get caught up in all the mess that's around us, the moral, cultural decline, and the wars, and the earthquakes, and the natural disasters, and crazy dictators, and all these other things, and politics, and lies upon lies, and it can just bury us in all these things if we don't remember Jesus said, I am coming back one day to bring you home. You are mine. And while you're here, you have a destiny and a purpose that has been set forth before time began. Jesus is coming again to take us home. And we can't forget about that. And it's beautiful to think that we have not been forgotten. As the years have gone by, the hundreds of years have gone by, the thousands of years that have gone by, it would be easy for us to look at Scripture or look at things and just say, oh yeah, that's just an old outdated book, or oh yeah, Jesus is coming again, la la la. Everybody's been guessing it. You know, the Jehovah's Witnesses have gotten it wrong three or four hundred times. You know, everybody's gotten it wrong these different times and just become callous to this reality 
that the one who, who knit you together in your mother's womb, the one who knew where you would be born, who you would be born to, who would be your parents, what country you would be born in. He knew every sin you would commit from life till death. He, would, he knows every victory you would have in your entire life. Every struggle and temptation is coming again. He hasn't forgot us. And he's going to make all the wrong things right. All these mysteries and tensions that we've lived in all of our lives, these struggles that we've had, the sweat beads that come on our heads when we're asked the hard questions like, how can a loving God allow earthquakes? How can a loving God allow pandemics? And these different struggles that we see that are real tensions, that are real hard questions. We know this. When Jesus comes back, he's going to make all the wrong things right. And all of this mess that sin has brought upon us and all of the mystery that it's caused and the questions that have prevailed in our hearts because of it will be answered. And you know what? One day we're going to see our creator face to face. The creator of the universe, we will know and we will be fully known. Unbelievable. Isn't that good news? such good news because this this world is brutal difficult it's a book out there that's just an amazing book i encourage you all to read it it's called heaven it's written by an author named randy alcorn i think it's one of the best um, treatments of the idea and the the reality of heaven that we are looking forward to i wanted to share with you a quote that he writes in there it says this think of friends or family members who loved jesus now, let's just do that for a minute and are with him now. Now, picture them with you walking together in that place. All of you have powerful bodies, stronger than those of an Olympic decathlete. You're laughing, playing, talking, reminiscing. You reach up to a tree and pick an apple or orange. You take a bite. It's so sweet that it's startling. You've never tasted anything so good. And now you see someone coming towards you. It's Jesus. With a big smile on his face. And you just fall to your knees in worship. He pulls you up and embraces you. That's the reality that we have to look forward to. That's, that's our truth. That is good, good news. John the Revelator says it this way in Revelation 21, verses 1 through 7. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. 
I am the Alpha and I and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Man, what a day that will be. And it's, it's easy for us to forget that. And what we have to remember is that we're aliens here. This life is but a moment, a blink of an eye, here one second, gone the next. The Bible says a mist or a vapor, it just disappears. In First Peter, it says it this way, we are sojourners and exiles. So don't get caught up in this world and what it claims to offer. Because what it offers is a lie that leads to death. That our only full, true fulfillment and true meaning in life can only be found in the person of Jesus Christ. So Christians, brothers and sisters, Mission View Church, remember eternity awaits us. And those who have loved him and gone before us await us. And Jesus, our loving Savior, awaits us. Let's pick it up again in verse 28. As Jesus goes on, he says, From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, a lot of what we talked about last week, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away. Now remember, what he's talking about here is those believers during the great tribulation will not pass away until all these prophecies come true. Picking it back up here, it says, until all these things take place, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. The second fill-in in your notes is this, be ready and look for the signs. If you didn't catch that first fill-in, it was Jesus' coming and power to take us home. Second fill-in is be ready, look for the signs. Don't be naive or keep your head in the sand. Now, I am preaching to myself with that head in the sand statement because I'm just going to be honest with you. I do not watch the news. I catch the news when it's on YouTube or something like that, but it is just so depressing for me to see what's going on around the world. I think I probably never leave my prayer closet if I watch the news every day. I just be in prayer 24-7 because it's just such a hot mess everywhere, right? But we don't have the luxury. Jesus tells us we need to look for these things, that we need to be aware of these things. And we're going to find out. He says that no one knows the day or the hour. But what he's saying here is we should probably know the season. Like there's some things going down. There's some things happening that we should probably be aware of and that we should know the season of his coming. And we should we should look for his coming. And kind of behind that and underneath that, all around that is the idea and the belief that I hold is that we should all live as if Jesus were coming back today. We need to live like he's coming back today every day, preparing to meet our Savior face to face every day when we wake up in the morning. Look for the signs. Live our lives purposed out for Christ, for his glory, doing what he's called us to do. But don't relax. Watch out. Pay attention to those things going on around us. Don't let your guard down and don't forget who you are or whose you are. Sometimes we forget that we are not saved from sin into an 
Sometimes we like to think we've been saved from sin into an easy life, and we forget that we've been saved from sin into a war, a war against sin and a war against a real enemy of our souls. That's, this war has been raging since the garden. We've been saved into a war. It's a spiritual battle. And immediately after we're saved, we're handed a sword and we're giving marching order, given marching orders right from the Lord. Soldiers are always to be at the ready. They can be called on at any moment. They don't have the luxury of ignoring that call or pretending that it doesn't exist. We have a job to do. Let's read on in verse 32. I think this gets really good. But concerning that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. What's he say? So be on guard. Keep awake. You might want to underline that. Be on guard. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work and commands the doorkeepers to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Man, as we've gone through this section of Mark in, verse, in chapter 13, how many times has he said, be on guard, be awake? I mean, it, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. As I was writing this sermon, I was like, Lord, I, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here. You know, I, I, feel, I feel like I'm just, just saying the same thing over and over again. But then as I'm reading this text, Jesus is saying the same thing over and over again. Be ready. We have to be looking for these things. We have to be aware of what's going on around us. Jesus is coming again. And number three, Philan, is this. We have a responsibility. We have responsibilities. Jesus is coming back to take us home to paradise, and that's great. But in the meantime, we have work to do. Being ready is so much more than reading our Bibles, worshiping together, and praying. Jesus told us to go. Last week I shared with you, like I think it was like seven things to, to kind of work your discernment and be aware and stay awake and be on guard. This week what I want to share with you is let's get moving. Let's get doing what God has called us to do because being ready means we are working. And there's two things I really want to address in this point, and that is evangelism and sanctification. Evangelism, sharing the gospel, and sanctification, the change that the Holy Spirit does in the life and the heart of the believer. So I, I think that's being ready. That's a staying awake. That's doing the things that we know we're supposed to do. I mean, when we get caught up in the end time studies and we're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. I'm looking for these signs. I'm studying all this stuff and doing all these things. I don't know what to do. It's just such a mess. We're missing the forest for the trees, right? Where we get into that thing. When you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. That's what I always like to tell myself. We know that the great commission that Jesus gave us was to go out and share the good news. So we are called to share the good news. So here's what I want to say to you today. You are not here at Mission View Church on accident. It's not by happenstance. It's not just walking through the doors. It's not just so ha- didn't just so happen that your friend invited you here and you decided to show up. I praise God that that happened, but praise God that that happened because God has brought you here on purpose for his purpose. As we study God's word, what it tells us about the church, the people, church isn't a building, the church is a people, that's us. 
is that he teaches us in Corinthians that, that we all have a part to play. And there's no bench in Christianity. Everybody has a mission. Everyone has a destiny and a purpose that God has set forth for you. And he intends for you to live out that destiny and that purpose in the body of Christ or in the church. So you have a job to do. There's no sidelines. There's no sitting out. You are called to work for the kingdom of God. And that is great news. Can you imagine? Can you just believe that, that before, you were, before you were even born, I mean, I mean, before even time began, it says that God set aside good things for you to do. These aren't just some random things. These are things that your creator, when he knits you together in your mother's womb, he's just thinking to himself, I just cannot wait. I cannot wait until John gets that job and he, he just does so good and he's going to serve in our children, the children's ministry at this church for you know 10 years and God, I'm, going to, I'm going to move him to Florida one day and, and he's going to do this at this church and I'm going to give him this gift for that and I'm going to give him this gift for that. That's what God does. He has gifted you. He set a destiny for you. And he's calling you to live into that destiny even now. He has a purpose for you. And think about it. The, the entire human race is longing and just looking for, searching for destiny and purpose and hope, right? Like that's what everybody's looking for. And they go to drugs, they go to sex, drugs, and rock and roll for it. They go to whatever you want you can put on there, the internet and video games, any other addiction you can throw in there. We're looking and dying for, literally dying for satisfaction. There's been songs written about Rolling Stones, right? We all these things, the entire human race is desperate for something. You know why? Because we were created to be desperate for Jesus. That's what we were created for. And in that desperation and pursuit of our creator, he would then dwell in us and fill us like we never thought we could ever be filled. We have a purpose. That is overflowing out of us and it's sharing the good news, the gospel, the life-changing truth of Jesus Christ with other people. And that is one of the greatest gifts God's given us. That you can go to your neighbor or family member or friend, co-worker that doesn't know Jesus and just with a smile on your face and joy in your heart say, man, I met somebody that changed my life. I mean, I was kind of just directionless, hopeless. I felt this emptiness. And I, I tried to fill it. I tried to fill it with work. I tried to fill it with relationships. I tried to fill it with alcohol, whatever. But man, I finally, finally met the person that changed me, changed my life. And they're like, man, I want to meet somebody like that. Well, you know what? You can. His name's Jesus. And I'm telling you, there's nothing like him. Then you can take them to the Jesus Revolution movie, which you should all go see. It's phenomenal, right? Just a phenomenal movie. If you haven't seen it, you've got to see it. It was unbelievable. But introduce them to Jesus and say this. You know what? Before I met Jesus, I didn't know it, but I was, my life was full of sin. I didn't even realize it. I was a mess, though. My life was just going down a road that was headed towards death. I didn't know it. I thought I was fine. But, man, something revealed to me 
that I was just going down the wrong road. And I needed a savior. I needed somebody bigger, stronger, better. And Jesus is that bigger, stronger, and better. He's the best. And Jesus lived a perfect life that I can't live. And then at 33 years old, died a sinner's death for me in my place on the cross. Jesus died for me. And three days later, he rose from the grave, defeating death for me and defeating sin for me so that I could be in right relationship with God and have that void, that desperation, that lack of fulfillment and satisfaction filled with him. That's the change. That's the person of Jesus Christ. Share the gospel. And the other is run after sanctification. In this world of moral decline and everything we see going on around us, this pitiful wreck that we've made of a world, man, run after righteousness. There's so many, so many voices just yelling in our ears, pointing in our faces. You can't watch TV shows on Netflix. You can't binge a series without some type of horrific, immoral thing happening on the screen before us, it seems like. I mean, it's everywhere. Newspapers, articles, websites. I mean, it's just, we're inundated with horrific, immoral things all the time. And what I want to say to you is, if we're going to stay awake and we're going to be ready, we have to run after righteousness. We have to run after His truth. We have to run after what He calls us to and who we are. And I think this is where identity plays such a huge part, especially in today's society, that we have to find our identity in Christ and not what we do and not what our parents say we are and not who our teacher says we are and not who our therapist says we are. We have to live out our lives with who Jesus says we are. And you know who he says you are? You are his. You are his daughter, his princess. You are his prince. You are his son. And he has a destiny for you. He has an eternal destiny for you. Not just one here that we can live into now, but he has an eternal destiny set aside for you where you will be with him forever. The world would like to tell you, you are what you do. The world's going to tell you, you, you're this, you're that. Or you can make up who, you can decide whoever you want to be. Or whatever you want to be. You identify as a cat, you can be a cat. Identify as a parrot, you can be a parrot. Gender, fluidity, all these different things. No, that's not how it works. We have a creator who creates us male and female. He created them. There's things we don't get to choose. But then we have to realize there's something even greater than male or female. Something even greater than the things we do. That's whose image we bear. You are created in the image of God. That doesn't make you God. It doesn't make you little G God. It just means you have a responsibility. That this life you've been given is not your own. And that is this image of God that we bear, we live into, we have the responsibility of living into that and submitting to that authority that he's placed. It's the beauty of this, all this stuff. Like you, we think we have to live up to something. We have to achieve some great thing and all these other religions. And even growing up, you know, you've got to study to get the grades. You've got to do this, do this, do this, you get this. You do A, B, and C, and you get this. You do C, D, E, and F, and you're going to get this. You do this, and you get this. And Christianity flips that all upside down. 
and just scrambles our brain. And that's why it takes us a lifetime to get this sometimes. And we think that we got to earn our salvation or earn our sanctification or earn all these different things. When Jesus is standing here and going, here you go, just take it. Well, well, no, no, Jesus, wait a second. I I really want to go to church every Sunday morning and be there 10 minutes early, have my Bible and be ready. And I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to take that gift because I've earned it. I've done something for it. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to just be a taker. No, this is what I've been ingrained with. This is what I've been taught. Jesus just said, no, you can't do it. You can't do it. You could go to church every Sunday for two services, five services every week, and you can't earn it. This is free. This is just for you because I love you. That's the free gift of salvation. And that's the work of sanctification. The Bible says that he who began a good work in you is faithful to bring it to completion. He completes it. He does it doesn't mean that we just sit around and play video games all day. No, we run after righteousness and we work towards it. We run like a race that we're purposed to win. We go for it. We don't let up. But Jesus, he's done it all for us. So let's be ready and let's do those things we talked about last week, the praying and those seven different things, but let's go. And do what he's called us to do. Let's share the good news. And let's run after righteousness as a people set apart for him. Holy. Do you know that? Holy. You are holy. Set apart for him. Man, what an identity. Does that sound good? Let's pray together. Before we share, pray, I want to share this song. It was written in 1912 by Layla Morris. You can just keep your eyes closed if you'd like to and listen to these lyrics. Jesus is coming to earth again. What if it were today? Coming in power and love to reign. What if it were today? Coming to claim his chosen bride, all the redeemed and purified over this whole earth scattered wide. What if it were today? Satan's dominion will be o'er then. Oh, that were today. Sorrow and sighing shall be no more. Oh, that it were today. Then shall the dead in Christ arise, caught up to meet him in the skies. When shall these glories meet our eyes? What if it were today? Faithful and true, would he find us here if he should come today? Watching in gladness and not in fear, if he should come today. Signs of his coming multiply. Morning light breaks in eastern sky. Watch for the time is drawing nigh. What if it were today? Glory, glory, joy to my heart will bring. Glory, glory, when we shall crown him king. Glory, glory, haste to prepare the way. Glory, glory, Jesus will come someday. Oh Lord, we pray that you would come soon. But in the waiting, God, move on our hearts to share the good news of the gospel with those who don't know you. There is a great tribulation coming, but there is a king coming. So, Father, move on the hearts of your people. Set us afire, ablaze with your good news, with the 
the hope of Jesus Christ. And God, we pray that you would motivate us and propel us towards righteousness, that you would sanctify us by the power of your Spirit, Lord. God, that we would be ready, that we would stay awake, that we would be alert, and God, that we would be on guard as your Word calls us to be. Come and do these things as only you can do them in us. We surrender to you, Almighty God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand as we sing our closing song today.